Welcome to The Inner Circle, the podcast where The Radius Group, a team of experienced wealth advisors, brings you inside the circle of smart financial planning. With a network of industry experts, The Radius Group discusses the latest trends while sharing timeless wealth management techniques. So whether you're looking to optimize your portfolio, minimize taxes, or plan for your future, The Inner Circle is here to provide exclusive and valuable insights. Hi, everyone. This is Blair Cornell with The Radius Group at UBS Financial Services. I'm excited to be here with all of you today alongside Tiffany Kellner as we launch our first episode of our team's podcast, The Inner Circle. We're an 18-person team with 250 years of collective experience managing $1.5 billion of our clients' assets. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on market volatility and five strategies to take advantage of an environment like this. Well, Tiffany, today is certainly a day to be talking about market volatility in the midst of everything going on, wouldn't you agree? Mm, Couldn't agree more. You know, there's a lot of things we can be doing in the environment to try to take advantage of uh, volatility rather than get hurt by it, quite frankly. And uh, let's just jump right in. One of the first strategies that I like to discuss with clients are Roth conversions. Roth conversions can be a really beneficial thing to be doing when when accounts are down and market volatility is at a a heightened point like it is today. And one of the ways you do this is you're going to convert some of your pre-tax dollars in your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA. And when doing so, you pay taxes in the amount that you convert in the year that you convert. So you want to be prepared that you know what you're doing and you think you thought this through, but it can be a great way to take advantage of a market drop where you convert, pay the tax at a lower dollar amount. And then as those assets appreciate over time, they're now appreciating in your Roth IRA on a tax-free basis. Now, you want to make sure you've discussed this with your CPA or reviewed it on your own in your own tax situation. It's always best to get a second opinion on this because it can trip you up. There's lots of things you want to be factoring in. As you convert, it can move you into a higher tax bracket. could definitely drive up higher Medicare costs based on your income for next year. There's lots of factors that can go into play but you definitely want to have a conversation and think about this strategy of a Roth conversion when there's market volatility, especially when your account values are down. The last thing I'll say is you don't have to do it all at once. You can do it in several different conversions throughout the year. You can do this maybe early in the year, maybe another one middle of the year, and then later in the year. And there's a couple of benefits in doing that. It spreads the risk out over the course of the year, different opportunities at different times in the market. My favorite time to do a conversion is always at the end of the year for that last piece because you can get a better feel for where your income taxes are going to be coming in. So usually in December, I'm having a couple dozen conversations with CPAs and with clients, and we're doing those final Roth conversions to try to take their income up to just the point that they stay within that same tax bracket, but where we've maximized the Roth conversion strategy. So Tiff, why don't we jump to one of the next topics? What are some of the things you're doing with clients when there's market volatility right now? Well, I know one of the hardest things when you have volatile markets like this is just trying to determine when to get in the market. And the old basic strategy that we all learned right when we started investing centers around dollar cost averaging. When markets are volatile, sometimes it's really difficult to know when to get in. And What we find happens most of the time is investors start accumulating cash because they they're trying to determine when the best market opportunity is. Um, What we would suggest you do is don't overthink this. 
think about making investments into 529s, 401ks, and other types of investments gradually spread out over time. This time you're catching highs in the market and you're also catching lows in the market, but it's going to average and it's going to take a lot of the guesswork away. But so many times we think about dollar cost averaging when we're adding money into the market. But I also want you to think about dollar cost averaging when it when you're taking money out of the market. So if you know you have a big expense that's going to happen throughout the year, uh, maybe you want to do some remodeling in your house. Maybe you want to buy a car this year. Or maybe you want to finally take the big vacation that you've planned on taking for years now. Instead of taking a big withdrawal out of your investment portfolio in one chunk, it's much easier for your investments to handle that distribution if you spread it out over a piece of, uh, of, of a time frame as well. So don't think about dollar cost averaging just for investing in the market. Think also dollar cost averaging out of the market during volatile periods is a great way to make sure that you're not, uh, you're not catching the market at a bad time. So dollar cost averaging in and out can also help from a rebalancing perspective as well. And I know rebalancing is something else that we wanted to, to talk about. That's right, Tiff. Yeah, rebalancing is definitely key. But you know, one thing you said on dollar cost averaging before I jump into rebalancing, I think is important. I don't know about you, but anytime I've been talking with a client that sold a business or uh, maybe wanted to invest a larger sum of money, or like you said, maybe take a large sum of money out of the market, you know, the emotion can drive people crazy. It certainly drives me crazy. I don't know about you, but um, when I'm talking with clients or when I'm only looking at this myself um, with my own personal investments, it's awfully hard to time the market and nearly impossible. At least I don't know anybody that can do that yet. But uh, that's why dollar cost averaging, I think, is so key is because it just tries to remove a lot of that emotion. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Oh, couldn't agree more. You know, when it comes to rebalancing is our third point, uh, kind of staying on that emotional topic what rebalancing can do is it does it has the exact opposite impact that most of us I'll say tend to do when it comes to investing. And when it comes to rebalancing, we all heard the old adage, you know, buy low and sell high, and that's impossible to do. We we get lucky every now and then, but it's hard to do that or nearly impossible to do on a regular basis. But what rebalancing does is it actually does do that. It helps us and it forces us to buy what hasn't done well and sell what has done well. And by doing so, you're able to take advantage of market volatility. So let's think about this for a minute. Let's just think, you know, if, if the stock market's really down and you're depressed and you're upset or you're emotionally uh, kind of beside yourself because things are down, that's probably the time you should be buying, quite frankly. Uh, and nearly everything else we do in our lives, we find it to be an exciting time to go out and buy something when something's cheap, whether that's a new car or simply going to the store and buying something when it's on sale. But yet with our investments, we tend to do the opposite. So by rebalancing though, it forces us to sell what's done well. So when markets are down, maybe your bond portfolio is up and it sells that to automatically buy when things are down. And by systematically or automatically doing that, whether that's quarterly or annually, it really removes some of the motion, just like you were talking, Tiffany, about the dollar cost average. And I just think that's a great topic and strategy we all ought to be thinking about when it comes to volatility. So why don't we jump to our fourth idea, which I think you're going to focus on, which is how to take advantage of tax losses. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know about you, Blair, but I think when 
when I meet with individuals, one of the biggest mistakes I think that so many investors make is feeling like they can't make changes inside of their investment portfolio when they've lost value. Where investors open up their statements or look at their accounts online and they see a decline in their portfolio value and they have this sense that that they just can't sell anything or make any changes until their portfolios recover. And I think we were maybe at some point trained as investors to, to not make any types of sudden dramatic changes until your investments have this chance to recover. But I really encourage everyone to think differently here because instead you should be looking at your portfolio from the perspective of how can I get it to recover the fastest. Sometimes it's hanging on to the investments that you currently have. Sometimes it means let's make a change. Let's look at at where your portfolio is currently positioned and does it make sense to do some adjustments uh, to get it to recover even faster. Don't be afraid to sell an investment even if it's at a loss. And and, and I, I really encourage this because so many times if you sell this investment at a loss, it can really create some wonderful tax benefits. Now, here's what I am not saying. I'm not saying sell investments for a loss and then go sit in cash. But what I'm saying is if you can sell an investment for a loss, reinvest it in something else that's still gonna give you the ability to recover as the markets recover, now you've added a loss inside of the portfolio that you can maybe take this year to offset other potential gains or carry it forward for a few more years because even carrying it forward, you're going to have capital gains at another point down the road. Um, but too many of us focus on not realizing those losses. And and I don't know about you, Blair, but we spent a lot of time at the end of 2022. And I think we're going to be spending a lot of time in 2023 with this volatility, finding ways that we can maximize tax strategy by locking in some of these losses and repositioning portfolios um, to use for tax treatments later. Oh, there's no, there's no question. Uh, if you want to be unpopular very quickly with your clients and CPAs, you deliver a negative rate of return like we did in 2022, and then you give them a tax bill for gains that they had throughout their portfolio. So the more you can do to manage the, uh, the tax losses along the way, it can certainly help uh, to ease that pain a little bit. So at least you got some benefit, like you said, that you can carry forward and use in future years when you do have gains again in the portfolio. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But I, I think our, our last and final piece of uh, information or idea for you is, is just really the need for liquidity. There's no question. I think now that I have four kids, I've found myself in a position where I need to have more liquidity than I ever did before. It seems like every other day, uh, I'm putting pillow uh, money under a pillow for the tooth fairy or it's kids need money to go shopping <laughs> or whatever it might be. So we all got to have a little bit of liquidity from time to time, whether it's in your wallet or it's uh, in your portfolio. But when we talk about liquidity, we're thinking about it from a bigger picture, looking at it more from what can help kind of get you through those short-term expenses over the course of the next maybe one to two years. And, and quite frankly, this is where most individuals and companies have gotten themselves into trouble. When you look back through bankruptcies, a lot of businesses or individuals, maybe they had a good business or they really still had a good job and they fell on hard times for a short period of time. And they just found themselves in a little bit of a liquidity crunch where they just needed to get through the next six months or the next 12 months. Or 
they're still working. They just needed to have money to repair the roof or buy a new car or whatever it might be. When it comes to having that short-term liquidity, it's really there as a protection so that you don't have to, A, stress, but also B, that you don't have to get into your portfolio and sell something at an inopportune time. So liquidity, although it's typically invested in very short-term cash alternatives or just in cash in a savings account or possibly a credit line, it's not going to earn much if it's in those cash-like instruments, but it's going to be there for a reason. So it's a small portion of the portfolio for an upcoming or anticipated expense that you're you're planning on or something that's unfortunately comes as an unanticipated expense that maybe creeps up on you that you just have the liquidity to be able to provide uh, for that expense and be able to move on without it impacting your overall portfolio. So I don't know, Tiffany, if you have any other words of wisdom on the liquidity or anything you're doing with your clients, but it seems that that seems to be a conversation piece, especially when there's periods of volatility that we need to keep focusing on with all of our clients. You're exactly right. I mean, I think all of the five topics we went through, you know, I think any one of them or all of them put together can really help during times of volatility. And and listen, we know volatility is difficult to watch, whether you're looking at your statements, whether you're watching the market on a daily basis, uh, or most definitely when you watch any type of media, it's, it's not an easy thing to watch your portfolio and the markets go through volatile times like this. But I think the biggest takeaway is if you can really find ways to take advantage of this volatility within the portfolios that you're all managing and that we're helping you manage with, rather than just being vulnerable to it, we want to be able to find different strategies where we can we can really, truly take advantage of it. Thanks, Tiffany. It's great to be with you today, as always. I love sharing ideas with you and with our other partners, just how we can add value to our clients' lives through experiences with not only us on this team, but all of our external partners that we gather information from on a regular basis. And any of our listeners, if you have any ideas that you'd like to hear us speak about, any other topics or questions, concerns, anything that you think would be relevant to all of our listeners, just let us know. And the best way you can do that is to email Candice, and that's candice.walker at ubs.com. And Candice will be sure to organize the topics where we can bring that information to you over the coming months. On behalf of the Radius Group, thank you for listening to the first episode of The Inner Circle. If you like this episode, be sure to follow us or subscribe so you get all the updates as we release new episodes throughout the coming months. We look forward to bringing you more content soon. Today's episode features financial advisors with UBS Financial Services Incorporated, a subsidiary of UBS Group AG, member FINRA, SIPC, located at 3601 Rigby Road, Miamisburg, Ohio, and can be reached at radiusgroup at ubs.com. This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice, and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review client relationship summary provided at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary.